everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Do you know anybody irritable? Don't look to your right or your left. Come on, look straight forward. Thank you so much, Orlando. Have you been around somebody irritable? Would you say it's fun? You know, irritable people, we're usually what? Moody, we're abrasive, hard to get along with, critical. And I just learned a new term this week. It's called extra. (laughs) It's for people my age. It means whatever we were when we were young, you just get extra of that. So if I was irritable and angry when I was young, you just get extra of that in your life. If I was critical and harsh when I was young, you just get a little bit more extra of that. And how do we handle that? Uh, Dwight's getting old. You know, cut him some slack. But the fact of the matter is we just become more like we were when we were young. And nothing causes a relationship to struggle or suffer more than a person who's irritable, a person who is angry. So we're in this series called The Relationship Survival Guide, the field guide of the art of living with people. There's not a person here today who hasn't experienced an encounter with somebody who's irritable or angry. There's probably not a person here who hasn't expressed that irritability and anger towards somebody. A wife, a husband, a son, a daughter, towards a mom or dad or a boss or an employee or a friend. So we're looking at this relationship guide because we need to build our skills because there's nothing more important than our relationships. And nobody should be better at relationships than Christ's followers. Behold how they love one another. So we've been looking at Corinthians 13 from 1 Corinthians and Here's what it says for us today. Love is not rude. Irritable people are rude, aren't they? Huh? Angry people are. It does not insist on its own way. Irritable people do. It is not irritable or what? Resentful. And I love what the other translations have to describe this word. They say it like this, touchy. She's touchy. Provoked quick-tempered, or we might say he's got a short what? Fuse. Quick to take offense. They're offended easily. Man, is that going on today in our world? The waitress, the waiter, the person at Starbucks, they're just not with it. Easily angered, fly off the handle. 
And so we have to deal with this if we're going to be able to thrive in our relationships with one another. You see, people who are angry and they have this irritable disposition, we end up doing more damage in our personal relationships than the event, than the circumstance, or the reason why we're irritable. (laughs) It's like leaving a stain on your shirt or on your sweater or on your blouse. You know, it stays there for a long, 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 long time, long after the incident. And there are changes in your life and there's changes in my life that we need to make. There's challenges, there's problems, there's disappointments. You have them, I have them, because we live within perfect people. But the one that does, I believe, the greatest damage is anger. And this is a huge, huge issue. I love this quote here. It says, how much more grievous is the consequence of anger than the cause of it? You see, what you and I get irritable about, what you and I get angry about is soon forgotten. But what's not forgotten is the way in which we made that person feel or the experience that we gave them. And so what is it that makes us irritable? What is it that makes you and I so easy to become provoked and and angry? Well, one would be our impatience, right? And yet we're learning that love is patient. And what makes us impatient is when somebody else has a different agenda or their behavior conflicts with my agenda or or the path that I want to take. Or maybe because we're not making the progress that we want. You're goal-oriented, and we've talked about this. When, When your goals are dependent upon other people, you're gonna be an angry man. You're gonna be an angry woman. And so my goal's never been to have a godly wife. Y'all okay on that one? (laughs) I can't control that. My goal is to be a godly husband. That's within my grasp. My goal's not to have a large church. Can't control that. My goal is to be the best pastor that I can be. That's within my grasp. And I have found out that when I set goals that are dependent upon Dwight and Dwight only, then what happens is this irritability, this anger begins to subside in my life. And so impatience, another one is just feeling disrespected. We don't like how somebody spoke to us or looked at us. And so we get angry. Did you see how they looked at me? Can I help you? They probably wasn't even looking at you. Okay, and we all know that hurt people what? Hurt people. Or maybe it's the feeling of feeling inferior. And so what happens is we feel inferior to those around us, and so we feel threatened. And so when we feel threatened or fear kind of grips us, we get touchy. We're easily provoked. And yet I've heard it said that a big man, okay, does not let small things make him angry. And yet if we're honest, if I'm honest, 
we're living in a culture that is full of anger. People flip one another off in a church parking lot. Get angry with one another in a church parking lot. Doesn't let people out first in a church. Why? Man, I got to go eat. I got places to go and people to see. We have it on our roads, road rage. We have it everywhere. We have it in our home. They say that physical abuse, verbal abuse is on the upswing. And so we're getting more and more easily angry. We're getting more and more easily irritable with one another. And why is this? Why is this? And how does this come about? You see, here's what I believe. Many times it's not in explosive ways. It's in the mundane things of life. And that's where our anger gets the best of us. It's not this big explosion, okay, of where maybe we throw a lamp or, or, or we throw something. It's in the mundane things of life of where this irritability comes through and seeps out. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, let me give you some ways. One is just visible anger, verbal outbursts. That happens. This is yelling. And do you know that people curse more now than ever? Why? Because we're easily angered. How about this one right here? Blame. This is another visible anger. We, we blame people. It's not my fault. It's their fault. If they would have done X, Y, and Z. And we blame as a form of anger. And if anything goes wrong, we insist that it wasn't us, wasn't our fault. It was somebody else who needs to be held accountable. How about this one right here? Sarcasm. Sarcasm is really a form of anger. It's people who are angry but are afraid to be open and honest because they're cowards. And so what happens is they make cutting remarks. They use sarcasm because it's easier to make a sarcastic remark or a blistering comment than to be able to say, you know what, I'm really angry. And when you call them out on it, what do they do? <laughs> Come on, can't you take a joke? I'm just kidding. No, you weren't. Words are powerful. Words have life and death in them. How about this one right here? Gossip or poisonous talk. And so how this works is we spread rumors and lies about people because we're angry at them. And so what happens is we, we wanna attack their character or their reputation or, or we, we, we make a backhanded compliment. This is poisonous talk. Hey, you know what? Your soup is pretty good but I think it could use some more salt. What? Huh? And so people use this. You, you all okay this morning? I want to welcome all of you at all of our campuses, huh? We're glad that you're joining us. But people use this style of anger. And they just say, I'm just being honest. No, you're being mean. You're being rude. You're being controlling. You're being manipulative. How about this right here? Here's some hidden ways in which criticism is another one. But let's look at some hidden uh, ways in which we, we um, do uh, anger, okay? Criticism is, is there for, for many of us, you know, where I'm just critiquing, I'm just doing this, and really, you're, you're angry. But here's some hidden anger. Uh, the silent treatment, right? This is the classic passive anger, 
And it's through silence that, that we can let people know that we're upset and we're not even saying a word. You know, she never gets angry. No, she gets silent. And it's controlling and it's manipulative. And what you're wanting to do is to exert emotional control over somebody and so you just get silent. How about this one right here? Procrastination. You say procrastination is, is a form of anger. It can be, okay? You see, laziness can be a form of rebellion because somebody's asking you to do something and it's ticked you off. And so what happens is you're not willing to deliver it on a time, you all okay? Timely manner. And so what happens is you just delay and, and, and you say, okay, they'll get it, but they'll get it when I want to give it to them. And so what happens is you, you procrastinate, and this is very controlling. How about this one right here? Half-hearted effort. I don't agree with what we're doing. This happens in the workplace. I think our boss, I think our leader is wrong. And so what happens is this is an I don't care attitude, and really you're angry, you're mad because they're asking you to do something. How about this one right here? How about depression? What? Compression? Depression can be a part of anger? Absolutely, because what happens is this. It can be a passive form. It can be showing anger to someone because you don't like what you have to put up with in life. And, and what happens is we can, we can use depression as a controlling thing because then I'm exempt from my behavior. It's convenient for me to suppress my feelings rather than to express my feelings. And there can be some advantages to this because what happens is I don't have to be concerned about other people. You need to be concerned about me. Don't you know I'm depressed? Y'all okay? I love you. And then how about this one right here? Forgetfulness. Just forgetfulness. Oh, I forgot. Please forgive me. Really? You don't forget about that, and you don't forget about that, but you forgot about this? And so what we have to understand if we're going to develop strong, healthy relationships that can endure, we have to, we have to deal with this issue of anger, being irritable. And you say, Dwight, how do we do this? Well, love has to become our foundation. Love has to be the main thing. And if you and I are going to have a life of composure, then love has to be the foundation of that life. Love has to be at the center. And when love is at the center, then what happens is you and I can make rational decisions about things that may disappoint us or things that we don't agree with. I mean, if you talk to, to a lot of people in our world today who don't even go to church or attend church, they would say that the church is very, very angry. And what happens is we get angry about the things that's happening in America, but they're not spiritual things. They're political things. Y'all okay? And so what happens is they, they see us as angry people. And what God wants you to, to experience is his love. Now, a composed person is not free from anger. It's just that a composed person can handle and channel it in a right way because 
Anger in and of itself is not a sin. Be angry and do not sin. But what happens is you and I many times do not handle it in the right way. And if we have a life of composure, then what that does is that adheres to some habitual patterns, some things that you and I develop in our life to be able to help us in those moments, in those times, in those conversations so that our emotions work for us and not against us. And so how do we do that? Let me give us some things to think about today, all right? Because what what, what happens is, is this, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to to have the opportunity to get angry. The question is, are you gonna be composed about that or are you gonna lose it on that? So let's look at this. Here's the first thing. Set your priorities in life. If you want a life of composure, you've got to set life's priorities. This is so, so important. You have to determine that. Maybe another way in saying it is that you have to set boundaries. See, somebody has a plan for your life other than God, and it's everybody in your world, okay? They have a wonderful plan for you. And what happens is we get easily angered by people in our life. Don't you know what I got on my plate? How could you ask me to do that when you know I've got this and I've got that going on in my life, right? And so what I have found out, when I set priorities in my life, it makes me more compassionate. It makes me more generous. Maybe not as sweet, Okay, because then I don't say yes, 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 yes to everybody, and then I'm angry with everybody because I said yes to everything that they want me to do. And so the question is, what is life all about? If you are a Christ follower here today, maybe you've stepped across the line and you've trusted Jesus Christ as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. It's to know God and to love God and to live for God. That's why Jesus said it like this. He said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Wow, that would lower my irritability, right? God, if if I seek you first, if I put you in your rightful place, guess what? You promise that you'll give me everything that I need. And so what happens is I set my life priorities. I get them in line. And so what happens is, then I ask myself, will my anger help me to fulfill this? Or will my anger take me away from fulfilling this? If, if, if this is something that will take me away from seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness first, then maybe I need to express it in an appropriate way. But if it won't take me away from seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness first, maybe I just need to let it go by. And so you need to set your priorities in life. You need to have boundaries. You need to be able to say, this is okay and this is not okay. Secondly is this, you need to develop a sense of self-worth. All right? You need to develop a sense of self-worth. One's emotional life will always reflect one's image, how you view yourself, how you see yourself. And people who have a poor self-image are guaranteed to have problems with anger. You just will. It may may not be an outburst. It may be passive aggressive. But anger usually in our life 
shows that, that you know what, Dwight, you need to have a, a, a good self-image. You need to develop a self-worth because what happens is we end up getting angry with people when our dependency upon them to make us feel good about ourselves is too much. And so we're looking for all of these applause. We're looking for all of this acceptance and approval. And what happens is when we don't get it, we get angry and mad. I mean, I'm amazed at people who post so much on Facebook and then get mad when somebody critiques it. Why are you posting it? You're saying, look at me. And then somebody just says, ah, I think it's okay. And then we get angry, how dare they? But what we need to understand is this, for us as Christ followers, our, our acceptance and our self-worth is based on the person of Jesus Christ and him alone. Paul says it like this in Colossians 2.10, you are complete in him. And so the fact of the matter is, I, I, I'm, I'm complete in him. Dwight's enough. If you know Jesus Christ, you're enough. And it's safe to say that more people fall into anger the less secure they are or the less they, they feel about themselves because we become touchy. Now, this is not to say that secure people never get angry. They do, but they handle it in a different way. Let me share this with you. I, I, I ran across this. Secure people, the person is rational. The insecure person, okay, is controlled by feelings. The secure person uh, discrimination is used, okay? The insecure person, emotions are expressed erratically. They just fly off the handle. How about this one right here? The secure person, anger is responsible and purposeful. The insecure person, anger serves no constructive purpose. It's irresponsible. How about this one right here? Secure person, the person tries to be a realist. The insecure person is an idealist. How about this one here? A secure person has proper humility. They have a, a right estimation of who they are and who they're not. An insecure person has a false self, has a false self-importance about themselves. How about this one here? A secure person, the person recognizes that the world is imperfect, that we live among imperfect people, that we live among broken people. The insecure person will not accept that people are going to be imperfect. The secure person, they rest in their relationship with God. The insecure person, all right, they rest in the relationships with people. And so we need to be able to set life's priorities. We need to be able to say, you know what, this is, this is what God is asking me to do in life and be able to set those boundaries. Then we need to be able to, to develop a self-worth in the person of Jesus Christ. And the greatest way for you and I to be able to do that is to experience the love of the Father because love casts out all fear. And usually when we're fearful, we're angry because we feel threatened. And so we need to be able to do that. And by the way, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that today, to experience God's love because he does love you and he sees you as valuable. He died for you. And that's where you want to get your worth. It's from him because it's secure, it's stable, it's sustainable. It's not fickled like you and me. 
Here's the third thing, and that is this. Have a servant's heart. You want to develop a life of composure? Set life's priorities. Develop a a self-worth in the person of Jesus Christ and have a servant's heart. You see, what happens is once you experience God's love and you know that you're loved, you know that you're accepted, you know that you're significant, you know that you are uh, approved, you know that you're secure, then what happens is you can focus on other people. You see, one of the things that makes us angry is we want it and we want it when? We want it now and we don't have a servant's heart. That's that's why we get frustrated with our spouse. That's why we get frustrated with our kids. That's why we get frustrated with our, our parents. That's why we get frustrated at work. And impatience brings about you and I becoming easily angered with people in our life. Paul says it like this, though, in Philippians 2, 3, and 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, check this out, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships, get this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset or have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. What was the mindset of Jesus? He knew he was deeply loved. What did God the Father say of him? This is my son whom I love and I am well pleased with. And so what happens is it allowed Jesus to serve everybody in his life. And and when you and I have a servant's heart and we're willing to do that, what happens is our expectations of other people take their rightful place. And so let me ask you a question. How well are you doing in the area of serving other people? See, angry people, we're looking for people to what? To serve us, to do things for us. And when they don't do it, we get angry, we get mad. How about this one right here? Recognize your own limitations, all right? Angry people can be demanding people. Would you agree with me? Uh, You ever been around a demanding person? And, and, And sometimes angry people, okay, who are demanding, are demanding things of people that they themselves can't do. They can't do it, but they're expecting you to do it. And so what happens is we don't even recognize our own limitations that, you know what, there's some things that we're not good at. There's some things that that we can't perform well at, that we're not gifted at. Paul says it like this in Romans 12. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, check this out, rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Hey, mom, hey, dad, this is great when working with your kids. Have you ever, have you ever been there that you've expected more of your kids than you expect of yourself? <laughs> and you realize that, that there's things that you don't do well? And so what happens is when when we look at ourselves and we say, hey, you know what? I'm a broken man. I'm a broken person. And I have my own limitations. What happens is it gives us grace in dealing with one another in those areas, especially our kids. And then number five, accept imperfection in others. Wow, this is easy to say. It's really, really hard to do. Would you agree with me? It's just hard to do. Because people can be hard to live with and even work with. And, and, and it's difficult many times. 
to have an accepted attitude towards other people. But what I want us to realize is this, accepting someone doesn't mean that you condone their behavior. It's, it's possible, listen to me, it's possible, okay, to love someone without liking their behavior. And so when I say this, I'm not saying that you just accept people and it doesn't matter what they do or how they speak to you or how they have exchanges with you. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that, that we need to realize that none of us are perfect and we need to accept the imperfection in other people. Listen, perfectionism will kill your relationships with people. It just will kill them because no one will be able to measure up. That's why Paul says it like this. He says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to what? To bring praise to God. <clears throat> and so how has God accepted you? everything. He loves us, he accepts us, but he doesn't approve of everything that Dwight does. So guess what? Sometimes he disciplines Dwight. <clears throat> you know why? Because he loves me. He loves me. And yet he knows that I am made of dust. He knows that I'm going to fail. He knows that I'm going to miss the mark. And so we need to accept those imperfections. And then finally, we need to learn to be tactful. Okay, because there are times that, guess what? We need to have that conversation. And we need to be able to maybe to say to somebody, hey, you know what? What I'm gonna say is gonna be tough for me to say. It's gonna probably be tough for you to hear. But we need to have this conversation. And so what happens is we need to be able to learn how to be tactful with one another. Proverbs says it this way, thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can what? Can heal. And, and, and so we need to be able to learn to be tactful. How do you do that, okay? Well, one way is that you say it gently, okay? You, you, you say it gently. The tone in which you and I, the tone in which you and I talk conveys a whole lot. I'll never forget, I was having a conversation with, one of our boys, and um, I'm not proud of this. And tears started coming down his face. And I said, what's the matter? And, and he said, your tone, your tone. And it just cut me to the heart. What I needed to say, I needed to say. But he picked up on my tone. And, and so what happened is he was hearing the tone of my voice and he wasn't hearing the words that I was saying to him. And so we need to learn to be tactful. We, we, we need to learn to say it gently because you're never more persuasive when you are abrasive. The more pleasant your words, the more persuasive you're going to be. And so you wanna be able to learn to say it tactfully, gently, and with love. How do you know that you're saying it in love? It's for their benefit and not your benefit. You okay? I wish I could go there. I can't, but let me just give you the verse. In Proverbs, it says, a fool vents all of his feelings. When, when a fool vents his or her feelings, it's usually not for the benefit of other people. 
It's for their benefit. You ever have somebody say, I just got to get this off my chest. And really what we're saying is, I'm going to say this. It's really not for your benefit. It's for my benefit, but I'm going to let you have it. Because when we say something in a loving way, it's to build up. It's to encourage. It's to help that other person. So we need to learn to say it tactfully, gently, and show humility. Now, I want you to know it's easier to give this talk than it is to live this talk. This is hard. This is where I live, and I'm sure it's where you live. But if we're gonna get better at relationships, okay, we gotta deal with our irritability. We gotta deal with our anger. It sometimes comes across so easily because it does more damage than maybe just anything that we experience in a relationship. And here's what I want you to know. God is patient with you and me, is he not? Otherwise, we'd already been consumed. And he calls you and I to be patient with one another, to love one another, to build one another up, to encourage one another. You say, Dwight, how do you do that? Well, first, we have to have a relationship with the one who loves us. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, today you can. You can pray a simple yet life-transforming prayer and and you can begin this relationship and just say, God, as, as much as I know how and as much as I understand, I want you in my life. We believe that Jesus makes life better and he makes us better at life. And you invite him into your life and you thank him for dying for your sins. And you ask him to fill you with his spirit, with his love, with his grace, with his power. And then you let him know, I want to grow in this relationship because we're not talking about an event. We're not talking about checking the box. We're talking about entering into a relationship with him. And you can do that today. And if you do, let us know. Many of us have already done that, but we struggle with anger, truth be known. Okay? Maybe other people don't know, but you know that you do. Because you have that hidden anger, you know? It's manipulative, it's controlling, it's there. And yet the people closest to you would say, yeah, they struggle with their anger. You know, maybe today you need to remind yourself of how much God loves you and that he's there to help you. Maybe you need to ask somebody to forgive you. Maybe that's a big step. Maybe in your marriage, maybe in your family, maybe at the workplace. Hey, you know what? I'm sure I've come across in a way that that is not good. Hey, I've, I've left a meeting before and followed somebody in the office and told them, I said, hey, I want you to know I love you. I pushed on you pretty hard in that meeting. And I just want you to know that I love you. And please forgive me if it came across any other way other than helpful. See, it's, it's humility that will help you and I to be able to deal with this issue of being irritable. Because when we're irritable, you know what we're saying? I deserve better. Don't you know who I am? (laughs) And so maybe you're a Christ follower today, but truth be known, you struggle with this. God knows, and he's not here to condemn you. He's here to help you. And he will when you and I admit that. Let's pray. So today, maybe you need to step across that faith line and you need to just say, God, you know, 
I need you in my life and I'm inviting you in my life to forgive me of my sins and to fill me with your love. Thank you for dying and making all this possible for me, undeserving. For others of us, maybe you just need to say, God, help me. Help me to set priorities in my life that honor you. Help me to develop my self-worth that's in you. Help me to have a servant's heart. Help me to recognize my own limitations. Help me to accept the imperfection of people around me. And help me when I do have those conversations to be tactful, to do it in a gentle, loving, kind way that's for their benefit. So God, we thank you that we can have these conversations with you without any shame because we know that you're for us. And if you're for us, who can be against us? So be with us today. Help us to grow in this area so that people will look at us. They'll look at our marriages. They'll look at our families. They'll look at our friendships and say, behold how they love one another. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and give thanks. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.